Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Rounding the News. My name is Liam Sturgis, and I am your host for this weekly news roundup brought to you by Rounding the Earth. Uh, thank you for your patience with a later show today. I interviewed um, a person who, unfortunately, uh, has been injured by the COVID-19 so-called vaccine, and that will be coming out uh, at some point in the near future. Um, but that is why the show is starting a little later today. So let's jump right in with our show. Rounding the news from whence a special counsel came. So before we get started, I want to remind everybody of a couple of things. If you're watching on Rumble, you can support the show by sending us a Rumble rant. If you're on Rockfin or on Odyssey, you can send us a tip there. And even more importantly, I invite you to join us over on our Locals community where I have posted the show notes for today, uh, along with links to watch the show live on Rumble, Rockfin, and Odyssey. And I highly recommend you guys jump over there, www.roundingtheearth.locals.com. You can join the community as a free member, or you can sign up to support us for $5 a month to gain access to weekly Locals-exclusive live streams. So with that out of the way, let's get started. So our first story for today is some good news. Damar Hamlin has been discharged from his Buffalo hospital. A week and a half after his dramatic collapse on live television, Buffalo Bills player Damar Hamlin has officially been discharged from the hospital. As reported by the Associated Press, we have completed a series of tests and evaluation, and in consultation with the team physicians, we are confident that DeMar can be safely discharged, Dr. Jamie Nadler said in a news release issued by the team. This marks the next major step in what doctors have called Hamlin's remarkable recovery, which came two days after he was deemed healthy enough to be transferred from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center to the Buffalo General Medical Center. Nadler said the 24-year-old Hamlin will continue his rehabilitation with the Bills. The Bills and Nadler did not disclose the results of the tests that Hamlin had over the past two days in Buffalo to determine the reason his heart stopped after he struck squarely in the chest by Bengals receiver T. Higgins while making what appeared to be a routine tackle. Now, very few details are known about Hamlin's condition at this point, with the media swiftly moving on from questioning the cause of his highly suspicious cardiac arrest. I will say I worked very hard to try to find any evidence for myself such that I could confidently say it looks like he is better. And frankly, all I found was this picture, which I then stylized a bit, of him watching the game in the hospital, and then another one where he is allegedly on Zoom, and it's a screenshot of his very healthy-looking face. The truth is, I don't buy it. I'll wait to see further evidence. If it is true that he is doing better, that is fantastic. But I am not convinced that that is what the evidence is currently showing. In more bad news, unfortunately, Lisa Marie Presley dies following heart attack. In a rapid one-two punch of news, Lisa Marie Presley died yesterday after suffering a heart attack. People magazine reported on Thursday morning, Presley was rushed to the hospital for a possible cardiac arrest. A spokesperson for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department confirmed to People that paramedics responded to the 5900 block of Normandy Drive in Calabasas 
to treat a woman in her 50s who was not breathing. When they arrived, the paramedics began CPR and, upon noting the patient had signs of life, transferred the woman to a local hospital for immediate medical care. The 54-year-old daughter of Elvis Presley had reportedly collapsed at home in a manner becoming normalized in the hearts and minds of, well, everybody, but especially those paying attention. She had attended the 2023 Golden Globes just two days prior, where no health abnormalities were reported. In years past, though, Presley seems to have suffered from a couple things, a chronic back pain and drug addiction, neither of which adequately explain her sudden and unexpected death. A lot of bad news today. Speaking of bad news, NBC News covers hospital-caused injuries and deaths. You thought COVID-19 caused severe outcomes in about a quarter of people who catch it? Yeah, that did not wind up being true. Not even close. Even our world in data and their misleading case fatality rate chart <laughs> falls short. Even for those, well, and for those not yet aware, our world in data is funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and hosted at the University of Oxford, both of which are organizations heavily invested in various COVID-19 vaccine products. But even they never claimed that one quarter of people who got COVID died. Now, on the other hand, going to the hospital has apparently been a rather dangerous activity for a little while now. And to be clear, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the healthcare system doesn't do a lot of good. But good and bad are not mutually exclusive, as weird as that sounds. And as with any medical procedure, the risks are just as vital to the decision-making process as the benefits, though I suppose most people don't choose to go to the hospital if they can avoid it. But NBC News reports nearly one in four patients who are admitted to hospitals in the United States will experience harm. How menacing, according to a study published Wednesday in the New England Journal of Medicine. The stark findings underscore that despite decades of effort, U.S. hospitals still have a long way to go to improve patient safety, experts say. One in four. Yikes, that is horrendous. Um, the full study can be found uh, in a link I've included in the show notes. It is titled The Safety of Inpatient Healthcare. Now, if, if you are ready to explore further the potential implications of this in regards to the so described COVID-19 pandemic, then I highly recommend the work of both Julius Roykel and Denny Rancourt. Both gentlemen have presented highly compelling cases for a substantial portion of deaths attributed to COVID-19 actually being caused by institutional actions, so-called iatrogenocide. Roy Kell's work is available um, in the form of his book, Autopsy of a Pandemic, while Rancourt has published numerous studies on his website. As Michael Zell so aptly notes, iatrogenic error, second leading cause of death, soon to be first. What's funny is last time I checked, it was third. So if, Michael, you're saying it's second, then yeah, it looks like it's on the way up. Oh yeah, already the first. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty scary. So I highly recommend Julius and Denny's uh, work. And there is an Amazon affiliate link 
uh, for Julius's work available in the show notes. Okay, that aside, we're going to move into very quickly some honorable mentions. Uh, Bitcoin has crossed the 20,000 US dollar mark after suffering a significant crash in November. Thanks, Sam Bankman Freed. Bitcoin has officially crossed back above the $20,000 mark. That's good news for, well, especially for those who hold Bitcoin, as I do. Uh, the second thing is dragons. I'm just kidding. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, appears to be the next property that's being targeted by Hasbro for self-destruction. Uh, if you go into the Substack article, which comprises the show notes available in the description, you will find uh, <laughs> uh, a section titled Hasbro Ignites Their Next Dumpster Fire. Indeed. And uh, there is a very entertaining video I suggest you watch by a gentleman named Rudy, also known as Alpha Investments, in all caps titled Hasbro Determined to Destroy Itself. Basically, it looks like Hasbro is changing some of their licensing rules that will, in a way that will make it uh, just, just, just go read go read the article. That is our honorable mention for today. And now to our main point. It feels like a distraction, right? We're still going to cover it. Biden's classified documents. So here's the story. This week, the White House in the United States, the one and only White House, confirmed that not one but two batches of documents described as classified were discovered in President Joe Biden's custody in a way that's seemingly inappropriate. The first set was discovered in a locker at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement on November 2nd, 2022, days before the midterm election. Since then, it appears there's been a hunt on to identify any further documents that may become uh, under further scrutiny, should they be found, resulting in the discovery of a second set located in Biden's garage and personal library in Delaware. Attorney General Merrick Garland responded on Wednesday by appointing a special counsel to investigate the possible unauthorized removal and retention of classified documents or other records discovered thus far. Now, everyone's covering this, mostly because of the way that Donald Trump was treated in a very similar yet starkly different, legally speaking, situation over the last couple of months compared to how it appears the current president is being treated on, on this particular issue. But I wanted to take a slightly different approach to covering this story from other outlets, namely by doing what I do best, zeroing in on this important new figure in question and identifying who may be part of his larger network. Who exactly is this special counsel that's been appointed? And do we have reason to believe that he is credible and worthy of the American people's trust? Well, let's find out. Meet Robert Hur. The individual selected, Robert Hur, is a partner at a law firm called Gibson Dunn. This is their logo, super cool font. At least as far as I'm concerned. Now, Gibson Dunn, whose longer name is Gibson Dunn & Crutcher LLP, seems to have a long history in Washington, D.C. affairs. Current and former partners include Robert Bonner, former administrator of the Drug Enforcement Administration, or DEA, William French Smith, former United States Attorney General under President Ronald Reagan, Nicolas Bavarez, 
former member of the Bilderberg Steering Committee, the Bilderberg Group being the super fancy uh, secret uh definitely not real okay fine it's real but don't talk about it a uh, group of people who get together and talk about what they want to do with the world that bilderberg um uh <laughs> michael <laughs> gibson dunder mifflin much more appropriate a name i think uh ken Starr, ah independent counsel responsible for the impeachment of president bill clinton okay preet bahara former United States attorney for the Southern District of New York, the, the one who refused to resign when President Donald Trump entered the White House. Uh, it's a long story. And Tom Cotton, Republican United States Senator from Arkansas. And that is just a short selection of names that I picked out. Uh, in fact, there is a long list. Uh, here's a few more from Wikipedia. I'll, others on the list continue this trend that you see of people going in and out of government positions, including people who have held office at the Internal Revenue Service or the IRS, the White House and various levels of the judicial system. A lot of judges. So if you're thinking, wow, that sounds like the definition of a revolving door setup, then you're not alone. In May 2021, the Revolving Door Project and People's Parody Project jointly released a report titled Big Law Revolving Door Report Gibson Dunn. Dermiflin, I'm just kidding. Detailing the firm's abuse of the revolving door, which has allowed them to benefit their clients from inside the government. Oh, weren't you expecting something different? Importantly, these activities that they demonstrate were shown to be ongoing through multiple different Republican and Democratic administrations, undermining the notion that one party is necessarily more or less corrupt than the other. So that's good news. So according to the report, cabinet nominees are frequently plucked from huge corporate law firms that defend some of the nation's most abusive corporations. Gibson Dunn is case in point. Biden's Undersecretary of State for Economic Growth, Energy, and the Environment, Jose Fernandez, worked for Saudi Arabia's public investment fund and fossil fuel companies, including Chevron. Oh, this is a clear conflict of interest, especially when you throw in the fact that Fernandez was a partner at Gibson Dunn at the time of his nomination. Speaking of Chevron, the report elaborates. Fernandez's former employer, Gibson Dunn, has recently gained notoriety for representing Chevron in a lawsuit alleging the oil giant contaminated the Lago Agrio region of Ecuador. Following the multi-billion dollar judgment against Chevron, Gibson Dunn sued one of the lawyers representing the indigenous communities in the region, Stephen Donzinger, for criminal contempt. Donzinger has been under house arrest ever since causing law students to launch a campaign denouncing Gibson Dunn's actions and the firm's larger role defending fossil fuel giants and other corporations that exacerbate climate change. Now look, while the invocation of climate change will automatically turn off some modern-day skeptics, and look, dumping oil into rivers, contaminating, it, that's obviously bad. That's, that's just called pollution. That's really bad. But it's more specifically the conflict of interest that's important here. And those conflicts of interest seem to be widespread and consistent 
throughout Gibson Dunn's history. The firm's clients are also well worth exploring further. Its corporate clients are many of the usual suspects. You have big tech companies, including Amazon, Apple, Facebook, along with its founder, Mark Zuckerberg, Intel, and Uber. Big oil companies, including Chevron, as we saw. Telecommunications companies, including AT&T and Comcast. For-profit academia, including the Association of Private Sector Colleges and Universities, also known as Career Education Colleges and Universities. And retail giants, including the Retail Industry Leaders Association. And we're going to look at an image of ah, all of their members. Yeah, that's a bunch of them. And Walmart, who is, of course, also a member of this association. But even more intriguing is the presidents that the firm has represented. According to a February 1984 article published in Hustler magazine, of all places, President Ronald Reagan was a client of Gibson, Dunn, and Crutcher for all personal matters. The firm also represented President George W. Bush in Bush v. Gore, the litigation contesting certification of Florida's results in the 2000 United States presidential election. It's funny how you used to be able to suggest that a election needs further scrutiny. Needless to say, the lawyer leading that case went on to work as Solicitor General in the Bush administration, which he helped secure. Finally, in what may be the most direct conflict of interest, Gibson Dunn formerly represented CNN and its reporter Jim Acosta in its lawsuit against former President Donald Trump after the White House, I, I believe, banned Acosta from attending the press briefings. Now, that suit was dropped, okay? So it's not active litigation. But considering all of the above, Gibson Dunn does not necessarily strike me as a firm without bias. It's sort of this institutional thing. It's like an ever-present firm that has, it's literally, since Reagan and before, I digress. What about the special counsel himself? How will Robert Hur approach handling the investigation into Joe Biden's alleged mishandling of classified documents? Well, he's no amateur from what I can tell. Hur served as the United States Attorney for the District of Maryland from 2018 to 2021, and he was reportedly selected due to his having been appointed by the Trump administration, therefore balancing out potential conflicts of interest. He had previously served in positions under Christopher Wray in the Department of Justice prior to Wray's appointment to lead the FBI and Rod Rosenstein when he was Deputy Attorney General. In the end, Hur's actions will speak for themselves. Gibson Dunn is not the only place where Hur has worked, and this is by no means intended to be a complete overview of Hur's network. Rather, I hope this mini-investigation provides some context as to the larger world of corporate political law from which her has emerged, which may or may not wind up being consequential to the actions he takes as special counsel in the coming days, weeks, and months. Well, that'll do it for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in to Rounding the News, and I hope you learned as much as I did. If you have enjoyed the show, 
Don't forget, please drop us a Rumble rant if you're watching on Rumble or a tip if you're watching on Rockfin or Odyssey. And go sign up as a member of our Locals community at roundingtheearth.locals.com. If I can pull that up again, look at that pretty page. You can even snag yourself a month of free premium support using the promo code, which should be included in the pinned comment. If it's not, once again, I will put that up there. After which you can keep us going for as little as $5 a month and gain access to behind-the-scenes discussions that we're keeping within our more intimate community until they're ready to go bigger. I have been Liam Sturgis, and you can find me at www.liamsturgis.com or on Twitter at the Liam Sturgis. And I look forward to seeing you guys again next week. Goodbye, everybody.